Yay, Sam. (laughs) Michael, you never say yay, Sam. (laughs) Good morning. It's great to see you here this morning. If it's your first time, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And it's good to see all of you here as the holidays are upon us. Is that crazy? And with that brings opportunity, even as Ashley was mentioning, opportunity for us to help out with Healthy Start, the kids in the community. And today we are continuing our conversation, What If? And we are going to launch from today into our next series, which is our Advent Conspiracy, which we've been doing for, I think, three years now or maybe 10, I don't remember, but we've been doing it for a while. And what the Advent conspiracy is, is our opportunity to make Christmas something that really reflects the heart of Jesus. We encourage us as a community to spend less, but to give more. In other words, instead of just taking that money and buying all the gifts, instead of getting the new iPod, maybe stick with the one you have, and instead of buying that or that $20 gift card, use that money towards a a certain uh, opportunity. And the opportunity we have this year is going to be Haiti, even in the 2020 that we've been talking about. And I'll talk about that a little bit more. But This morning, we're going to be talking about what if everyone gave. Now, if you're visiting here, you don't know how uncomfortable I feel standing up here talking about giving to someone who just came here and is saying, I knew it. They're going to talk about money. We don't talk about money. I really, we, well, Jesus talked about money. So yeah, I guess we do. Uh, But I, I hope By the time we're through here, you see that it's really not about money, that it's really more about our heart. And so we're going to start by going to Luke chapter 7. Actually, it's chapter 6. It says 7, but don't go there. Go to chapter 6. But it is verse 37 and 38. And Luke 6, verse 37, if you need a Bible, raise your hand and they'll get you a copy of the scriptures. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For all the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so Jesus gives this illustration, and he starts with two negative things, or or two things that kind of connect to each other that we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to judge, and we're not supposed to condemn. And you see, the judging leads to the condemnation. And he tells us, don't judge Because if you judge it, you're going to be judged and don't condemn because if you do, you also will find condemnation. And so we see this kind of escalation. If you do this judgment, you're also going to be doing a condemnation and you don't want those things upon you. Now, Jesus before has said, 
that this is what God will do. If you don't forgive men their sins, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. And this idea of judgment is similar, but it also involves each other. Let's face it. If you're a very judgmental and condemning person, the odds are you're going to have a lot of judgment towards you as well. It just works that way. If you've got someone who just nitpicks everything, I mean, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a coworker, and they just nitpick how you do everything. Oh, you shouldn't write that way. Oh, you should do this here, and you should put this here. And it's like, what does it matter? It's not a big deal. Leave me alone. You know, you don't say that, but you think that, and pretty soon you find yourself actually judging a person who is bringing this kind of judgment towards you. It's the way things go, and so if you judge you're going to find judgment coming back to you, not only from God, but from people. And the judgment that will lead to condemnation. But the same thing is true in a positive sense. So we don't judge, we don't condemn, but if we forgive, forgiveness actually leads to generosity and to giving. And if you find yourself generous in forgiving, you're going to find God generous and bringing forgiveness to you as well as people. You see, it's hard to hold a grudge against someone who's so nice. It actually bothers you. When my mom first became a follower of Jesus, it was very annoying because she was smiling and happy and telling me God loves me all the time. And I was like, I can play this game too. I can be nice too. And so I was trying to be nice because she was being nice and I was going to prove I can be as nice as her. But it was a lot of work for me and it didn't seem like any work for her. She was just nice. Good morning. God bless you. Good morning. Yes, I'm happy too. And it was hard for me to bring any kind of accusation against her because she was being so nice. And when you're forgiving, it is welcoming. And when you give, Jesus says that it will be given to you. And he gives this illustration, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Think of Lay's potato chips. You know, you get the big bag, but when you open it, it's like half full. And you're like, what's with that? I paid for a full bag. Well, what's happened is it's been shaken. It's settled. And so this illustration is, after it gets settled, it will still be full. In fact, it will be spilling over on your lap. And so it would be like opening a bag and it's all the way full and they're not all broken. It's a good measure. And that's the illustration. If you give, then this is going to be what you get. And you see, the idea here about giving and generosity is it doesn't take money to be generous. In fact, money doesn't produce generosity. Generosity is a condition that we bring into the situation. And I think it's interesting that generous and 
generate or genesis, the whole idea, they're connected. They have the same root, and it has the idea of bringing something new, giving birth. And when we are generous people, we are actually giving birth to something good. We are producing something that then will have an effect and continue. So it's not just about what you're giving, it's about what you're creating in the process. Last week we talked, or two weeks ago, last week we talked, Michael talked about what if everyone obeyed. But we talked two weeks ago about what if everyone served, and the whole idea was service wasn't just for the people you serve, it was for yourself. And the same thing is true with giving. You don't just give for that person. You give because of what it produces in that person as well as in you. You see, intentions don't change the world. Actions do. And intentions don't change you or myself. Actions do. You can have the best intentions, but if they don't form into something, then they're just intentions. But if your intention, I intend to do good, and you step out and you do, then it produces something, then it generates something. That generosity produces something that starts to become alive in and of itself. And so giving has the opportunity to move us into something new and something alive and something powerful. And many times those who are suffering from whatever it might be, some kind of of depression, those who are in a position where they are going through hardships, how do you tell someone not to worry? Do you just say, okay, don't think about it? Does that ever help anyone? Try not to think about it. Well, now I'm thinking about it. You know, it's like saying, don't think about the color blue. Every one of you started thinking about the color blue. But when you start involving yourself to something that is generative of something good, when you start forgiving, start giving, start taking the burden off of yourself, and start contributing to something else, you find yourself connected to something else. My mom, she's not here, so I get to talk about her a lot today. (laughs) But it's all going to be good. So when you see her, you can say, hey, just tell her, Sam talked about you, she'll freak out. Oh no, what did he say this time? My mom used to work for Disneyland and for Walt Disney and she was in part of the costuming department and so we would get tickets to Disneyland for free and so it was cool we get to go to Disneyland and Corinne and I would go to Disneyland on occasion by ourselves but you know it wasn't the same as when we went with our kids when you go with kids it's a different experience And what happens is you get to enjoy their experience. You get to see them think there is a giant mouse and freak out and cry, because you would too if you thought Mickey Mouse was real. 
You, you get to see their eyes light up when they see the princess or get on that ride. I'll never forget when the boys were young and we took them on the Matterhorn for the first time and their faces afterwards. We, we ruined them. <laughs> they wanted to do it perpetually, even when they weren't at Disneyland and they were on their bikes. You know, I was like, I can ride off the roof into the swimming pool. It's just like Magic Mountain or just Splash Mountain, whatever. But something happens when you see this through someone else's eyes. You get to experience differently. And you find that actually giving in this manner produces something in you. It produces a life in you. And, and so as we continue this morning talking about what if everyone gave, I don't want you to lock in on the thought of money. And I don't want you to think we're telling you to give to Genesis. We're not. But what we are going to ask of ourselves is to be generous. Because in this generosity, it actually generates life. And before I continue talking, we're going to have a short video that we're going to watch together and then I'll come back up and conclude. There's something that happens to us and to a community when we get behind something other than ourselves, when, when we see efforts that we make benefit someone else. There's something that takes place. There's a, a momentum that gathers. There's an excitement that develops when we become a part of something bigger than just us. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 35. The Lord has commanded Moses to build a tabernacle. Now, God doesn't need a tabernacle. He doesn't need a tent dwelling. The scriptures say that the heavens are the Lord's. The this earth is his footstool. He doesn't dwell in tents made by hand. So it's not that they're doing this for God. They're actually doing this for themselves. There, there's a something that's going to take place in their history because of this place that they build. It's going to be a marked event in the history of this people. And so the Lord tells Moses, and then the Moses in verse 4 of Exodus 35 said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing, now you need to mark that word willing because it's important, is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, and other, another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onk stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. So here's some instructions to bring all these things, including goat hair, because it was useful to them. Don't bring goat hair here. We don't need it, okay? <laughs> Keep your goat hair. Jump down to verse 20. 
Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing, there it is, whose heart moved them, came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting. I love that, whose heart moved them. There's something that happens when it is our heart that moves us. And so we're not here this morning asking you to to do something. I'm not asking you, I want you guys to give to this or to that. What I am hoping is that your heart will move you to do something. That you will want to see something take place. And it goes on and it says, for all its Service and for the sacred garments, verse 22, all who were willing, there it is again, men and women alike came and brought gold, jewelry of all kinds, brooches, or I think that's what that is, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or goat hair, ram's skins, dyed red, or the other durable leather brought them. Those presented an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, And all the women who were willing, there it is, and had the skill spun goat hair, because it takes skill. The leaders brought onk stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord freewill offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Everyone got involved. Everyone was participating because this was going to be a monumental part of Israel's history. They were building a place where they could come and worship, where they could gather together, and it was something that they would use throughout their wilderness experience, a reminder of God's presence with them. And they were all part of of that. And so you can imagine years going on and you see they start setting up the tabernacle and they pull out the poles where they're going to hang the curtains and someone goes, hey, that's the wood I brought. Oh yeah? Well, I spun that goat hair. I brought those purple claws and everyone contributed. And so this isn't just something, this is a part of them. And something started taking place in the people. They were so ecstatic. In verse or chapter 36, verse 2, Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Ohiliab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offering the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. 
And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already had was more than enough to do all the work. What an amazing thing. Everyone was so involved, they had to say, stop. They restrained them from bringing more. Think of what that dynamic looks like in a community where people are so excited to do something, to bring something, that they have to say, enough, enough. By the way, we are taking no more clothes for Mexico. We have enough. And so in January, when we go down to Mexico, we are going to bring the clothes that you've been bringing throughout the year. But no more, because we have enough. Something took place within the community as they started working together. And what they did in their generosity is generate this ability for them to worship in a tabernacle. It developed the opportunity for them that would be, again, a monument of what they did and who they were. And it happened because everyone contributed. You see, we can't do this by ourselves. And our whole What If series has been about what if we as a community... The first one, what if we were connected? What if we recognized that we were a part of something bigger than ourselves, that we were attached to the vine, to Christ, and that we produced fruit? And we talked about that fruit being love, love for one another. We talked about what if everyone prayed? What if we prayed and we got rid of the burden of unforgiveness and we prayed for those who were outside of our community? We prayed for boldness that the truth that we know in our hearts would be able to be shared to those around us. We pray that we would understand and God would reveal himself to us. What if everyone mattered? What if we presented the image that Christ presented in his illustration of the lost sheep or the woman who lost the coin and swept to find it or the prodigal son? What if everyone knew that they mattered because we believed that they mattered? What if everyone served? What if we had enough people for the children's ministry? In fact, Terry had to say, tell them to stop. We have too many people. No more signups. We've got more parents than kids. That'd make me feel awkward. Maybe they're leaving for a reason. What would happen if there was more than enough to do the work on Sunday morning setting up? It was so great a few weeks ago when we did talk about what if everyone served. We had a number of people sign up to serve in different areas, and that's great. What if everyone obeyed? And Michael talked about how, you know, the justice system, you know, there would we wouldn't have to worry and put so much money into so many things if everyone obeyed. And what if everyone gave? What if we saw something that was important enough to us that we decided, you know what, together we can do this. And what does it take to get that momentum? You know, those of you who can spin goat hair, we need you. 
And those who have gold, we need you too. (laughs) But everyone had something to contribute to this amazing thing that was taking place. I want to turn to one last passage. And that's in Acts chapter 20. Paul is leaving a group of people who he knows and his last words to them, verse 32-35. says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing, You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions in everything I did. I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I wonder if we believe that or if we understand what he means. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, I'd rather look at my children's eyes and see the expression on their face at Disneyland than just go myself. I would rather see my children healthy and whole and do whatever I could to contribute to them than to have of myself. This past year, there's been a number of things that have taken place with some of our children that have required us to to sacrifice financially in so many ways to help them out. And you do those things without hesitation because it's your child. Of course, I'm going to do what I have to so that you can be well. Because you're more important to me and you get lost. You you don't worry about the bills. You worry about your child and pretty soon you find yourself actually living and doing more because of your concern and love for that person. And you see, Paul's heart was to reach those who were hurting those who were weak, as he says. And so he worked and helped serve them. He did these things because Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. What if every one of us believed that? And we gave to the things that we were moved to give to. If we had willing hearts our hearts moved us to help those around us. Again, I'm not going to tell you how to give. That's between you and your God. There are opportunities we want to make available. Haiti has been something ongoing. As you know, a few months ago, we talked about the Haiti 2020. If everyone gave $20 a month that we could provide enough money to build a cafeteria. We have $7,800 approximately right now. And that's after 
about three months, which is not as much as what we need. Here is an opportunity that is going to move us even into the Advent, where we as a community are going to get behind this school, St. Andre's School in Maribelay, Haiti, and do what we can to help build a cafeteria there for the students, for the school, so that it can be self-providing, self-sufficient. Jeannot was out here a month or so ago, and he shared all the things that happened, that just because we as a community built a latrine, it helped to alleviate some of the disease and cholera and things that are there. And when he said that, it struck me, he says, because you built this latrine, you saved the lives of children. We don't think a bathroom saves lives, because in our... That's just, no, well, it might save my life if I need to go, you know, but it's not like saving lives. And when he said that, I was struck. Oh my gosh, who would think that just building a latrine could actually save lives? And you see, every stone that was built in that latrine to make those walls, every one of you who contributed, those stones are, are your goat hair. It, it's your onks. It's your you know, acacia wood. It's the things that you've done to contribute to those things. And we have opportunity to do that again in Haiti. And so I, I leave with this in this series. What if we were united as a community to actually make a difference in these different areas. What could we do? The excitement that took place with the children of Israel in the wilderness, as they said, we have the opportunity to to build a tabernacle where we can come and worship. What we have is so much more important than a tabernacle. We have the opportunity to bring life and the truth of who Jesus is to the world around us. Can we rally around that? Can we step into this and get excited about, you know what, I'm going to spend a little bit less on these things because I want to give a little bit more to these things. You know, I know Denise, myself, and a few others have said, okay, I'm I'm not going to give up coffee. Okay, it's not that it's an idol. I just need it, okay? But what I did say is I'm going to match whatever I spend in coffee and give that much and more to this work in Haiti. What if we just took back or contributed from our luxuries and said, you know what? I need to invest my life. I need to give. I need to be generous because I need to generate a life in me that's outside of me. Because it is more blessed to give than receive. In Ecclesiastes 11, it says, keep casting your bread on the water because in time you will receive more. And they always thought, you know, when you throw bread on the water, it just sinks. In fact, one translation, actually, they didn't say cast your bread. They said when you send your bread to ship your bread to another location because they didn't know how to think about that. What what does that mean? But it actually is, when you throw your bread on the water, in time you receive more. And from what I understand, I'm not a fisherman, just like I'm not a farmer, just like I'm not a mechanic. I'm not a lot of things, okay? (laughs) But when you feed the fish in a certain area, 
and you do it for a long enough time, the fish start thinking, oh, there's food here, and they start coming to that place. Now, they don't come the next day. It takes a while, but eventually the fish will have this place where they actually come to feed. Why? Because you've been casting your bread on the water. And so you cast in bread, but you got fish. You got more, but it took you giving. What will we gain if we give? What will happen to who we are? What will we become as people if we give of ourselves in other ways to help other people? And so that is the challenge for us as a community. What if everyone gave? What could we do not only in Haiti, not only with the kids at Healthy Start, what could we do to the people around us in the community? What could we do if we invested our resources in the things that can contribute to the work of God? Intentions don't change the world. Actions do. And so this is opportunity for us to act on the things that matter, where our hearts would move us. I don't want anyone to give this morning unless their heart is moved. I'd rather you go home. I'd rather you pray. I'd rather you think about it, maybe talk with your husband, your wife, and say, you know what? There's something going on in Haiti. Would we want to contribute to it? Because it's not about pressuring you. I don't want to pressure, because if I pressure you to do this, it'll end the next day. But if your heart moves you, See, that's why the people kept coming. They're giving and giving. Why? Because their heart moved them to give. And if our hearts would move us to give, we would be blessed people. And life would abound in us. It would be shaken, stirred, overflowing. There'd be chips everywhere. Because it's more blessed to give than receive. Let's pray. Father, I hate talking about money because of the reputation the church has of always asking for money, of pastors driving expensive cars, riding on the backs of the people. But God, you want to use us in every area of our lives, in our ability to serve what we can do with our hands, in our ability to give what we can give of our time or our finances. Father, you want all of us, and that includes money. But God, what you want is us, not the money. What you want is a heart that's willing, that we would give joyfully, Lord, that we would want to be a part of something that we see that you're a part of. And and so, Lord, the prayer for us as a community this morning, the challenge for us is how can we take what we have and honor you and represent you? How can we generate not funds but a movement How can we create something that will have lasting value 
Lord, how can we give to what you are doing? And I pray that you would move us, Lord, even as we are stepping out into Haiti and stepping into different areas of Mexico, Lord, bless the efforts, but most importantly, give us hearts that move us to care, that move us to give of ourselves because we recognize, Lord, the blessing that is there as we see the benefits of our generosity contribute not only to them, but life to us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would move upon our hearts. As you would lead us, may we move willingly, Lord. And we thank you for the abundance that we have, God. As difficult as things are, I know for many here, Lord, we live blessed lives compared to the world around us. Lord, we are grateful. And even as Rob shared in the video, Lord, may we not lose our thankfulness. May we not forget the things that we do have and enjoy. May we remember, Lord, those times when we struggled. May we help those who are struggling still. Thank you for this time, Lord. Be honored in all that we do and all that we give. We do these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. I do want to let you know, if you would like to contribute, if you are moved in your heart, you can go to genesisie.com, and there is a link for Haiti. We keep updated how much money comes in, and we'll keep you posted on all the money that comes in and all the work that we do there. I encourage you to be generous with your lives. Be blessed. God bless you guys. Enjoy each other's company. The sun is out. It's a beautiful day. I think that was fall last week. I think we're winter now. So God bless you guys. Have a great day.